Bible, open it in the Gospel to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Luke 4 and 1. While you're turning there, as I said when I was greeting people this morning at the opening of the service, uh, I, uh, I have, uh, I'm dressed as I am today for a deliberate reason. Um, and that is, I've got my work clothes on today because God's going to put this church to work in 2019. Can you say amen? You ready to go to work with the Holy Spirit? Come on, Mark. That's Thank you for those three co-workers, Father. Hopefully there will be more. Hallelujah. Hank, we good? All right. Luke chapter 4, the first two verses. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he endured temptation from the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were completed, he was famished. Today is 20 of our 21-day fast. God bless all of you. In whatever you have committed yourself to do in the form of seeking God these first three weeks of this year in fasting and prayer, God bless you. I salute you. Heaven salutes you for taking your stand to put the kingdom of heaven first and to prepare yourself to be ready to work in the things of God this year. Amen? So give, give the Lord and give yourselves a, a hand clap. Hallelujah. One more day. Praise the Lord. The women are going to be gathering tomorrow night at the Ladies' Fellowship and celebrating and, and breaking that fast with some pretty awesome food. Some of it's sitting in my refrigerator. And so I, I was thinking of throwing a wig on because <laughs> it looks good. Jesus Christ is God living a human life in a human body. That's what we read about in the Gospels. That's what we just read about here in Luke chapter 4. He's God living a human life in a human body. So the question is, why did Jesus fast? We know why we fast. But have you ever confronted yourself with a question, why in the world did Jesus fast? He's God. What did he have to fast for? The answer to that question will unlock the secret to the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So whatever I have to say for the next few minutes, listen, because there's a key in it for you. We have to go back to the garden and God's original creation to, to begin to have a context for understanding the answer to this question. And simply put, I would just want to quantify all of that stuff in Genesis and say that Adam lost his relationship with the Father through sin. And when he did, it cost us our dominion over the environment that we were created to dominate. God had created man and said, rule over the world, subdue it, and have dominion over it and over the creatures of the earth. That dominion was lost when we lost our relationship with the Father. It forfeited for us our dominion over our environment. 
So the world has been surrendered to the devil. And now man's dominion dominates mankind. So man is now a captive to the world that he was meant to rule. Remember in our verse that I opened up with, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Say, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. He had just come out of the River Jordan where the Spirit descended upon him and kind of in the form of a dove. And the Bible says he was full of the Spirit. And the very next thing that happened is the Spirit, and one translation says the Spirit drove him, drove him, compelled him out into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. No chicken broth, not much water, 40 days and 40 nights. I want you to think about it. The whole time the devil is working on him, the devil is tempting him, the devil's pressing him, and probably most of those temptations have to do with exactly what we read about later in that chapter. Turn these stones into bread. You know you're hungry, my God. You are God. You're the Son of God. Come on, eat. What do you have to fast for? You're perfect. You don't need to fast. Come on, make a sandwich. Are you listening to me? 40 days and 40 nights. He's out there. He's not just dealing with his stomach. He's dealing with all his position, his right, his liberties. To provide for himself, to use the authority that he has. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Turn these rocks into bread. Somebody say amen. amen. So listen to me. Here's a, here's a first part of our key. In order to free us, Jesus must first break the environment's claim over his own flesh. The scripture tells us in Philippians that being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself, became obedient even to the cross, even unto death. Jesus lived in a human body, had a human experience, even though he was divine, even though he was God. So the very first thing that he who would rebuke demons and raise the dead had to do, the very first thing that the one who would take and exercise authority over the environment, he had to break the environment's hold over his own life. I know you're not getting this just yet, but you will. Hallelujah. We just keep chipping away at it. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The devil says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. Now, in effect, in Jesus' answer, I'm going to paraphrase what Jesus says back to the devil. Probably not just that one time, but the many times that the enemy comes at him and tempts him to use the environment he has a right to, to meet his own needs. Jesus says, I'm not out here to let you feed me. Are you listening to me? Jesus said, I'm out here fasting to deny your access to me by disconnecting my umbilical cord from the environment. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus says to the devil, and the devil says, come on, have lunch, it's on me, you're the king of kings. Jesus said, I'm not out here to feed myself. I'm out here to defeat you. I am out here to deny you access to me through the world around me. I'm out here to disconnect my umbilical. How many of you know what an umbilical cord is? I know you haven't had one for a while. But uh, you started out with one. And uh, 
it attached you to your environment where your mother's nutrients just direct pipelined right into your little belly. But then when the environment of your mother's womb gave you up and you came out into the world, now it was time for the nourishment of the world to get into your belly by another umbilical cord called your mouth. And now it slides not through the umbilical cord that we snipped and cut off, but through the umbilical cord called your esophagus. And the Bible talks about king's stomach ruling human beings. And if you don't think that your natural appetite is ruling your life more than your spiritual need, just stop feeding that stomach for a while. And real quick, it's going to let you know who's boss, who's king. Are you listening to me? So Jesus, the first thing he does when he gets filled with the Holy Spirit is the Spirit says, you're going to go out there and you're going to let the environment know who the king is. Before you're the king of kings over one lost sinner, you're going to be the king of kings over this fallen environment. And Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he lets the devil know, hallelujah, um, I'm out here to deny your access I'm choking you out. How many of you watch mixed martial arts? I'm choking you out. I'm choking you out. I'm denying your access. I'm cutting you off. I'm not eating. I'm not drinking. I'm out here feasting on the will of the Father. Because when I come out of this place, I'm going to feed a lot of starving people. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Come on, let's let this start dripping down and make some coffee in there. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. You know, carnal people. There was a, there was a movie recently made uh, that uh, Bill, what's his name, made uh, Killing Jesus, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, he's got that series, uh, Killing Nero, uh, Killing Pee Wee Herman, Killing, uh, and he's got Killing Jesus in there. And um, so I thought, well, this is interesting. You know, I, I, I kind of like him a little bit. So I figured I'd watch it and everything. I about threw a shoe through the television set. Because Bill O'Reilly's Jesus is a nincompoop who doesn't know what in the world he's doing in the world, can't figure out who he is, needs John the Baptist to teach him and direct him. And, and he's out there staggering around, stumbling like a lost lamb out in the wilderness, trying to find himself. Are you kidding me? Carnal people think Jesus was out in the wilderness trying to find himself. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Jesus wasn't out there trying to find himself. Jesus was out there asserting himself. Let me tell you what, he might have been physically weak, but he was getting spiritually strong by the moment. He was asserting his spirit supremacy over his flesh. And these past days and weeks, you have been asserting the supremacy of your spirit over the weakness of your flesh. And the whole time, the devil's screaming through that flesh at you. Feed me. You're not that bad. You don't need to fast. Satan wants to control the stomach of the one who will multiply loaves and fishes to feed the empty stomachs of mankind. Why? Because you can't exercise authority over the environment 
if it's exercising authority over you. Now how's that? It's pretty simple and plain, isn't it? You might have authority given to you from on high by God according to the Word of God. You may be full of the Holy Spirit, but that anointing will not work in you. The authority that God has given you will not work in you as you try to break the yokes of bondage to the environment over other people as long as you yourself are under that bondage. Bound people can't set bound people free. If you're going to get me out of this thing, you're not, you're not going to do it if you're in this mess with me. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Glory. Good common sense. So the devil wants to gain control of the stomach of the one who's going to feed multitudes. Look, Jesus in effect says to the devil when the devil comes at him and starts tempting him and he's worn out, he's weak, at the end of the 40 days, those three last temptations, Jesus basically turns the devil away and in effect he is saying to Satan, hey, you don't talk to me, I talk to you. When you start telling the environment, when you start telling your appetite, when you start telling your lust, when you start telling the devil speaking to you through all of the things of the world that you think you need in your, in your life, hey, you don't talk to me, I talk to you. You'll start seeing God move in your life. You don't let the world talk to you. You don't let the environment talk to you. You have been called and anointed to talk to the environment. Can you say amen? Stop letting the devil pile on top of you. Dependency after dependency. You are the people who shall speak to mountains. Not mountains speak to you. That's what fasting's all about. It's to get out from under those mountains of care. Mountains of anxiety. Mountains of frustration. And get yourself back free. Get yourself, hallelujah, back on top of the rock. Get yourself out from under those mountains so you can start talking to mountains again. This is why the church has no power. This is why we sing songs about victory that we don't see in our own lives. This is why we claim and confess verses that we haven't seen working in us in a long time. It's because we're content to live under the dominion of the world while we preach a gospel of freedom from the world. Don't think that you're going to get free just because you preach freedom. You need to get yourself free. And it was impossible until Jesus came. Jesus was in that wilderness 40 days and 40 nights so that when you fast, you can have the victory. So that when you turn aside, there's something to receive from God. That's what Jesus was doing those 40 days and 40 nights. He was fighting the battle for you and I. When you and I fight, the Bible says we are more than conquerors because He's fought that battle for us. But if you think you're going to have the victory without fighting the battle, you've got another thing coming. You're like the guy sitting out in the Gulf of Mexico in the boat praying the fish will jump in. And you're going to go home empty. Let me tell you, Christian... The day the church gets sick and tired of pampering, listen to me, there's a difference between care 
and compassion and healing the brokenhearted and pampering people's pervian and carnal insistence on staying bound and staying carnal. The day the church gets fed up and sick and tired of keeping babies in the nursery and decide it's time to be men and women and grow up in the things of God, the Holy Ghost will show up. Because the Holy Ghost has been sent to anoint men and women with power and with might. And you'll see signs and wonders and miracles Hallelujah. When that church arises, glory to God. I won't be part of that church. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus, in effect, said to the devil, you shut up, Satan. I didn't come to eat bread. I am the bread. I'm doing a lot better job of preaching than you are agreeing. I don't need bread. I am bread. That's what Jesus said. Don't try to feed me bread. I'm here to give bread to the starving. And he had just spent 40 days going without. And the Bible said, listen, I, I read it. Jesus wasn't magical. He lived a human life in a human body. The Bible says after 40 days, 40 nights, he was as hungry as you'd be. The scripture uses the word famished. He was famished. He was wiped out. He was zeroed. He had no more strength. Are you listening to me? He was physically broke down. He was a wreck after 40 days. And while he's sitting there on a rock trying to figure out which way is up, because his mind's been starved of that nutrient, along comes the devil at his weakest moment says, how about, how about you just, just go ahead? You, you're full of the Holy Ghost. I saw it. We all saw it. The Holy Ghost is on you. Just, just, just all you have to do is tell that rock over there, turn it into a whopper. Be a whopper and get into my hand. And he said, that rock will be a whopper with whatever you want on it. You can just pick it up and eat it. Day 40. It was the last day of the fast. He could have said, well, I've, I've crossed the finish line. Bless God. You know what? You may be the devil, but that's not a bad idea. Amen? And Jesus said, you shut up, Satan. I didn't come here to let the environment talk to me. I came here to talk to the environment. God has called you to be one to talk to the environment. One of the problems many years ago in the Word of Faith movement is we released millions of people to run out into the world and speak to the mountains. And we had all these people running around commanding the mountains to move who had mountains in their own life. And that's why people came back after a few years and said, this stuff don't work. This faith stuff don't work. Let me tell you what doesn't work. Being a slave to sin and walking in dom uh, under domination to the environment and trying to exercise dominion over it at the same time, that don't work. Amen. That won't work, but it doesn't mean that it can't work. All you need to do is get you out to the wilderness like you've been doing these past three weeks. Get out and spend some time with God. Just get your soul out before God and just say to the flesh, shut up. I've been listening to you long enough. My spirit man needs to get into the driver's seat in my life and needs to take over. Can you say amen? 
So he said, you shut up the devil. I didn't come to have bread with you. I came to be the bread. And listen, furthermore, I could hear Jesus adding this. It was, it was I, I see it uh, just um, insinuated into his remarks. I didn't come out to the wilderness to eat. I came out to the wilderness to work. And when the church gets back to working, and putting working before eating, we'll see the Holy Ghost show up. See, the Holy Ghost wasn't sent to feed you. The Holy Ghost wasn't sent so that you can have everything you want. The Holy Ghost was sent to empower you to go work and do the work that Jesus has called you and I to do. Can you say amen? That's when you'll see the Holy Ghost show up in your life. It's when you decide, I'm not here to feed myself. I'm here to work. How much work have you done in the past year? Oh, hold it. Before you stop there, let's add to it. How much feeding yourself have you done in the past year? Every day. They don't go by that I don't feed myself. Well, I mean, God, it's reasonable. Of course it's reasonable. Of course God wants you to eat. But what did Jesus say? Hello? You don't even hardly hear it anymore. It's almost like a proverb people say, but never really expect you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Why aren't they being added to people's life? The kingdom's not first. They're eating instead of working. Today, as we stand at the beginning of 2019, our faith charters have been carefully thought out and penned and set before the Lord. Our prayer requests for others, would you like to see those requests answered? Do you think just because you ask it's going to be done? You get out there with God, you fast and pray, and the power as you become weak that he might be made strong, will begin to work in you. Then these people that you're praying for will start seeing the answer. Don't you know that the 5,000 would have never ate that day on the side of that hill had Jesus taken a break in the middle of his fast and had a whopper? Why? Because he didn't have freedom to eat. He had freedom to do anything he wanted to. He could do whatever he wanted. There was no risk of him sinning. It wasn't that he would sin if he ate. It was that he would lack the power to feed others because he had allowed the environment to rule over him when his mission was to put the kingdom first. That's why Jesus is the king of kings. The environment doesn't command me, I command the environment. That's what Jesus said. And you know why he said it? Because those are the words he wants in your mouth. The environment doesn't command me, I command the environment. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, Jesus stood up in the boat when they were about to be capsized. And what did he do? He spoke to the wind and the waves and he said, peace, be still. When you fast and break Satan's hold over your natural appetite and your natural needs so that you can access your lost dominion over the earth, then instead of asking for the winds and the waves of life to ease up, you can start 
commanding the winds and the waves to be still. This is why the storms of life keep coming and we seldom hear testimonies of them really being prayed away. Whatever those storms might be in the form, storms of temptation, storms of aggression, storms of oppression, storms of bad luck, whatever form of opposition, trial or trouble, those storms rise up and come. Why don't we see more testimonies coming from the body of Christ of storms being turned away? Because Jesus didn't stand up in the boat and pray, Oh, Father, please deliver me from the storm. Jesus didn't ask for the storm to leave. He commanded the storm to leave. Why is that important? Because He gave us authority over the environment. He did not create man to ask the world, to beg Mother Nature to cooperate. He said, you till the garden, you reign and rule over it and turn the world into the Garden of Eden. And man failed at that. But God's authority given to us has never left. And so when He redeems us, He calls us back to use that authority. Yes, it is appropriate to ask God for things. But notice how many times in the Bible Jesus didn't ask for things to happen. He told things to happen. That is the kind of authority in prayer that doesn't work because you have bravado. It doesn't work because you're a good actor. It doesn't work because you can put a certain in your voice when you pray. You can have a wimpy voice. You can look silly. You can be three foot two. You can be a midget. I don't know if that's politically incorrect, but since I could care less about political correctness, we'll just say midget. There you go. You could be a dwarf. It doesn't matter. You're a dwarf and you squeak out, mountain move. If you are in the power of God, if you have surrendered your will to the will of God, if you've not let the devil rule you through the environment, bless God, all three foot two of your squeaky little voice will make that mountain flee from you in Jesus' name, because you're using the authority that the Father has given you. Can you say amen? amen. I've worked this side of the room a little bit more than I have that side, haven't I? All right, listen to me. The first priority of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would say this morning, I have the Holy Spirit in my life? Be bold. Yeah, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that is just absolute. That's a wonderful starting point. But let me share with you that the first priority of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. Think about it. If you could know what is the first priority of the Holy Spirit, that would be something you would want to know, wouldn't it? In other words, the Holy Spirit's in my life. What's his first prime priority? What is his first thing that he's always going to be going after in my life? Well, let me share with you that the first priority of the Holy Spirit is revealed in this text that we read this morning. Being full of the Holy Spirit, he was led out into the wilderness. To be tempted of the devil, 40 days and 40 nights did eat nothing, afterwards was famished. The first priority of the Holy Spirit is simply this, to break the dominion of the world over your flesh. Now, if that work of the Holy Spirit Breaking the dominion of the world over your flesh is not something you're allowing him to do in your life. Then could that have something to do with why the other things of the Holy Spirit are not working in your life? 
I submit that question for your consideration. In my simple mind, because I have a hard time putting two and two together, that fits just perfectly. That follows perfectly. If I'm not allowing the first priority of the Holy Spirit to separate me from the dominion of the world and its claim over my life, then yes, absolutely, that is why the other works of the Holy Spirit, the peace, the power, the freedom, the deliverance, the manif other manifestations, that's why they don't show up or only show up in a limited way. You cannot break the order of God and succeed. The universe can't get away with it. The world can't get away with it. Jesus didn't even try to get away with it. He came to follow the absolute perfect order, and that's why he is the King of Kings. Can you say amen? Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are helpful. Everything is lawful for me, but I will not become the slave of anything or be brought under its power. Oh my God, could we have a day, once a year at least, in every Bible-believing, Jesus Christ-confessing church, whether you're Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, or Slippery Rock Assembly, could every church and every Christian hammer home that simple message? All things are lawful to me whom the Son has set free, but I will not be brought under the dominion of any. Could you imagine if every congregation stood before God, fasted and prayed and said, Lord, work in me and get me out from under this dominion. Break the power of lust and pornography over my life. Break the power of anger and cursing and frustration. Break the power of, of addiction over my life. Listen, I never criticize anybody. I, there is not a little pile of sin or mountain of iniquity that I myself have not plowed right into. And not because... Someone ran me off the road and I accidentally ran into it. I was aiming for it. Hallelujah. Do you understand me? I saw lust. I ran for it. Pornography ran for it. Drugs ran for it. Drinking, fighting, violence loved it. Ran for it. So I didn't just fall into sin. I chased sin. I pursued sin. But wouldn't it be awesome to stand before God? So I say all that to say I never criticize anybody for the weakness or the problems that they've got in their life. It's a result of, of separation from God. We need to get you uh, uh, saved, get you back in relationship with God. And God will work those things out. He'll deliver you. But once Jesus has become Lord of your life, I'm talking to the Christians. I'm not talking to baby believers. I'm talking about you that have been saved 1, 2, 3, 10, 20, 30 years. The Bible says you ought to be out setting the captives free instead of still trying to get yourself free. Wouldn't it be awesome for us to say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, yes, all things are lawful for me, but I've grown up. I'm not just childish anymore. 
I'm not saying it. I, I see these Christians on Facebook and um, people, uh, I, I hear believers talk about their liberty in Christ. And I mean, they'll just get right down and argue with their liberty and their right to be carnal. And I think, what is wrong with you? You're, you know, I'm not arguing that you don't have liberty to do carnal things. You've got it. That's not the point, but you are heading in the wrong direction. God's going this way. If you want to be a Christian and you want to make a difference, then you better go Jesus' way instead of trying to be saved so that you don't have to be condemned with the things that you used to do. Are you listening to me this morning? Getting kind of quiet in this church this morning. I don't know. I was kind of expecting a little more noise. Hallelujah. Listen. Look at the result of Jesus' fast. Fasted 40 days, 40 nights. The Bible says we all, we all recited it. Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 goes into the wilderness. Verse 14, when those three final temptations were over with, he has still not eaten anything. M manages to stagger out of the wilderness. But listen to what it says about Jesus staggering out of the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He hit Galilee and it was miracle signs and wonders. The devils were attracted to him like a bum on a bologna sandwich. Everywhere he went, demon-possessed people came up. Everywhere he went, um, demon-filled preachers full of jealousy came up and trying, nipping at his heels, trying to lure him into some sort of a trick to get him into a position where they could accuse him. He never had a break every single day. He wandered through a world full of barbs and strife trying to pull him down. And he navigated through it in perfect love. Where did that power come from? He disengaged from the world during those 40 days and 40 nights. And he walked in the victory of that disengagement. He didn't just disengage. He connected with heaven. He connected with the power. The Bible says he came out in the power. Don't you want to have the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen, you are full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you to help your whole entire spirit, soul, and body come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. We could just preach a whole other... You cannot serve two masters. It doesn't work. I see some people nodding. I know a few of you have probably tried it. So... When you let the Holy Spirit lead you into prayer and fasting, as you have done these past three weeks, to put your appetite out of reach of the devil, then you too will come out in the power of the Spirit. Look for it. It's coming. Look for I don't care if you fasted five whole days or 21 whole days. It doesn't matter to me. That's between, I told you in the beginning, it's between you and God. It's whatever you obeyed the Lord in when you said, I'm going to seek His face. I am going to turn aside and get myself, hallelujah, out from under the flesh 
and get back spirit dominated. How many of you would say, I, I set that course, man, I'll tell you, oh, I remember, I think it was, uh, I think it was day 14. Wow, that was a rough day. Everywhere I look, I saw whoppers. I was seeing food that wasn't there. I thought, what's wrong with that? I mean, I, I normally don't get fixated. I take it, a, when I'm fasting, take it a day at a time. I don't think about, but you know, after like 14, I'm starting thinking, okay, cross 14, 13, 12, 11. There were a couple of rough times in there, but you stuck it out. Whatever it is the Lord told you to do, you did it. I, I tell you, I hope you made it a little hard on yourself. I, I, you, had that one, you had this one opportunity. I hope you, I hope you made it worth it. I hope you, you did stress that flesh enough to break it. Did you? I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. Next opportunity, you can maybe stretch it a little more if you need to, but that's the whole thing. Whatever you decided to do, if you were faithful, if you obeyed God, and you know what? If you stumbled, fell flat on your face, you said, you, you said oh, I got dizzy. I, I was feeling so faint, I felt dizzy, and I fell right into the refrigerator, <laughs> and I blacked out. And when I came to, there was baloney in my mouth. I had baloney. I don't know what happened to me, but it was there. Half of it was gone. I, I don't know what happened to that either. All right, so you had your day where you staggered and stumped, fell, fell into, the, into the refrigerator. You got back up again. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times and get up again. See, as long as the devil knows, he can't keep you down. Are you listening to me? In fact, Jesus, hallelujah, killed the microphone. You've got a special medal, hallelujah. If you fell into the, in, into the cold cuts, but you got out. You dusted yourself off because the devil was screaming at you. First he's saying, go for it, go for it, go for it. And then when you did it, fool, that's it, you're done. That, you're not going to, what kind of Christian are you? That, you know, he's like that. He's like that. He's never going to give you a break. But you know what? You shook him off. You rebounded. Hallelujah. Look for the power. Look for the power. Look, look for it. Don't think, oh, I've got to fast 40 days like Jesus did. No, you don't. You just have to do what, what you and the Lord worked out. That's all you have to do. That's what God's looking for. And he's not looking for you to be like somebody else. We're all different. Don't ever... Uh, measure yourself by other people. Nobody, not me, not anybody. Nobody here is your standard. You are your standard. You are a unique life. God loves you, and, and he has a plan for your life. That's why he wants to speak to you. That's why he works with you. If, if, if you take these number of steps, he'll walk those steps with you. Can you say amen? He's wanting you to win, but you've got to work. You understand? This is about working. As we prepare for our altar call this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask, according to the power at work in us. This time that we've spent in prayer and fasting has been all about getting us ready to go to work in the harvest field. How, how many of you figured that out at some point along? This, this fast was about, it started out being God calling us close, but why would he call us close? 
because he wants to send us out. The Bible says you shall go in and out and find green pasture. Hallelujah. So God's wanting you to go work in the harvest. That's what this, this getting ready has all been about. We are breaking the hold of the world over us so that we can rebuke its hold over others. Can you say amen? We are refusing the devil's temptation to squander the Holy Spirit's power on feeding our own stomachs. Now, this is a message for the body of Christ today. Because I dare say that probably the lion's share of the messages and teaching in the body of Christ are all about how to use the power of the Holy Spirit to feed your own stomach. But you have refused the devil's temptation to squander, and I picked that word deliberately, squander the anointing and the work of the Holy Spirit on feeding yourself. Instead, you're denying the power of your stomach to rule over you so that the Holy Ghost's power can multiply loaves and fishes through you for others. You can't serve two masters. Amen? There'll be plenty of time for you to eat. They tried to bring lunch to Jesus. He hadn't ate anything all day. Disciples brought him some lunch. He said, I appreciate it, but my lunch is to do the work of him who sent me. Amen? Praise the Lord. And that's why he had power the way that he did. Acts 1.8. And with this, I'm going to close and we'll pray. God is doing a reset. Everyone say reset. God has been doing a reset in you and I. He is restoring us to his original purpose for sending the Holy Spirit. And I remind you of that purpose with Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why Pentecost. That's why the Holy Ghost came. That's why the gifts of the Spirit. That's why the fruit of the Spirit. That's why the blessings of God. It's so that we can be a testament, an ambassador to others. Will we be blessed along the way? Oh, hot dog. Hallelujah. You know it's... It, why is it more blessed to give than receive? Have you ever lived as a giver? It's awesome. It's awesome. Hallelujah. God lets you use all kinds of things that you didn't have to go out and, and build yourself. He bless you. He'll fill you. He'll take care of you. Put his business first. He'll take care of your business. Can you say praise the Lord? Stand with me. This morning, I want you to look for the power of God to arrive in your life. It have, if it hasn't already started to rise up, you're still in that, you're still in that fasting mode. We've got one day to go. It's all right. It's coming. You cannot deny yourself and not see God arise in your life. God is arising in your life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This is now a private moment for each of you individually. I know that we're in a church, other people around. Nobody's looking at you.